You're listening to the Telltale Channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check out my Patreon. And take a look at my other YouTube channels too. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything I release. All links are in the description. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the right's bizarre fever dream about the LGBT community. Trump cultist and politician Rachel Hamm aiming for press secretary position in Trump's new administration. Michelle Bachman getting on an emergency prayer call with Trump, asking God to install him as a dictator. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to communicate with me through email, just go to my website, owenmorgan.com, click contact me in the top right corner. It's one of the menu items. If you're on a mobile phone, just hit the little menu button in the top left and hit contact me button. I use MailChimp for like my contact form and stuff. And there's something going on with MailChimp right now. I was unable to access my emails. I've been trying to access them like all day, but the lo- the page just keeps like loading, 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 going in circles and doing nothing. So I don't know. I communicated with uh, MailChimp support earlier, but they didn't really do anything for me. So I'm hoping that things pull together soon. I just had to default to voicemails this time because I can't access the emails, unfortunately. Holy Ghost of God. If the next words that come out of my mouth are lying, ill-intentioned, misinformed, kill me on live camera in front of everybody in this room. That is Greg Locke asking God to strike him dead if he's lying. Would you be surprised to find the next words out of his mouth? were in fact lies dead serious interestingly enough this is not the first time this guy has done this line where he tells god to strike him dead if he's lying and then blatantly bald-faced lied but i i got a voicemail from somebody who wanted to talk about this so let's finish this clip from greg Locke and then listen to the voicemail and i'll look at the other example of him doing it too check this out they say, well, you know, uh, he's causing flooding to the road. This is the thing he said after ordering God to strike him dead if he's lying. The accusation against Locke is that he's causing flooding to the road. By this room. Think I'm playing. You know why the road floods? Because Larry built that wall over there and then on his side, you know what he did? Larry is his neighbor. And on his side, you know what he did? He gummed up the drainage ditch on his side so that the water floods through on our side, floods the road three foot deep. He goes out, takes pictures and video, sends it to... Yeah, he doxed somebody there. And the codes enforcement says, look what Greg Locke and Global Vision's doing to flood the road when we've never flooded it one time. So the idea here is that Greg Locke claims that his neighbor Larry is intentionally setting him up lying to the codes enforcement whatever the bureau codes enforcement bureau and sending it to them so that greg Locke will get in trouble even though it wasn't greg Locke's fault well that's just patently false that's a lie greg Locke said if anything if whatever i say next is a lie or misinformed right this is at the very least misinformed and i have to wonder if he knows that it's misinformed Like I said, this isn't the first time the dude's done this. Asked God to strike him dead if he's lying about something. That's 
pretty serious. And he was wrong about it both times. I mean, it seems like a pattern to me. So listen to this voicemail I got about this situation with Greg Locke. Hey, this is Octavian from Virginia. I just wanted to say, with as many times as Pastor Locke says, if he's lying, strike him down dead, it seems like that uh, the fact he's still kicking around is probably a good indication that God's not real. Thank you for what you do. Later. Yeah, I appreciate that. Or, at the very least, an indication that God is not on Greg Locke's side, doesn't care about him, wants nothing to do with him. At the very least, I can say God is not taking an active role in Greg Locke's life and doesn't care what's happening. Like I said, that isn't the first time he's done it either. And in my opinion, it it seems pretty obvious to me. Greg Locke knows he's lying, especially once you hear this other example of him doing this exact thing. Okay, so Greg Locke gets an email from Freemasons. I don't think the email ever existed, honestly, because... He claims that it came from a Freemason named Arch Stanton. That's a fake name from a movie, first of all. It's from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And second, there is no Arch Stanton on the Freemason Lodge anywhere in the area, including the Freemason Lodge that Greg Locke named specifically in this clip. So it's a fake name, and in my opinion, it's a completely fake email. He's reading this email where this Arch Stanton guy openly threatens him and says, if you hold this book burning that you intend to hold, then I will show up with the Catholic diocese and a bunch of other people and force you to stop. I don't know who in their right mind would ever say something like that, but Greg Locke is reading the email, supposedly, and says this. This one was from uh, October 26th, 2022, I believe, by the way. He takes the next whole paragraph to tell me that uh, it's, it's a malicious fine for burning if we don't get a burn permit, we've already got all that covered. Okay, we don't care about your fines. We'll take an offer and pay your stupid fine. So he doesn't have to obey the laws or regulations or rules in the area because he's rich. Yeah, that sounds like something that uh, Greg Locke would say. Here we go. I strongly counsel you. All right, let me get get back to it here. All right, if I'm lying, I'm dying. God strike me dead right now if I'm lying. Honey, come here and tell me I ain't crazy. Do you catch what he said there just now? God strike me dead if I'm lying. If I, I'm, I'm telling God's untrue. God strike me dead right now if I'm exasperating the truth. Okay, I don't know what exasperating the truth means, but there he goes again. Strike me dead if I'm lying or misinformed or whatever, right? I'm reading the email, and it is gone. I'm talking about right now, and I want to read the whole thing because I'm piss poor mad about it. Yeah, I said piss. Okay, so he goes on to directly accuse the Freemasons of logging into his phone while he was reading the email and deleting it from his account live. Like, it, he's standing there reading it, and it just disappears right off of his phone. I was a software engineer for six years before getting into YouTube. I've run my own email server for decades, still do. 
I know how this stuff works like the back of my hand. This is not how that stuff works. It is not possible for that to have played out the way that he is describing. If nothing else, if he had the email pulled up on his phone, it would have stayed there, even if deleted, until he backed out of the email. At the very least, he is lying. He is not telling the truth. He's twisting the situation around in an effort to seemingly, in my opinion, scare his audience, make them think that they're up against some insurmountable enemy or something. And what's more, he told God to strike him dead if he's lying. Two times the guy told God to strike him dead if he's lying and then lied to his audience face. I mean, I think he can probably justify this in his head by claiming theocratic warfare. You know, you've got an enemy and lying, cheating, manipulating, stealing, whatever is all justified if it's in service to God. The hang-up comes when they consider themselves to be working for God's benefit. They've just given themselves an unlimited justification to lie, cheat, steal, or manipulate under any circumstances as long as it benefits them because they benefit God ultimately. That's the, the whole mindset, and it's simply ridiculous. So anyway, yeah, that's what the uh, voicemail caller was referencing. Appreciate the voicemail. Dude is absurd on every level, and I don't know how he still has a congregation. I, I'm kind of at a loss about how Kenneth Copeland has a congregation, for that matter. Like, they're all charlatans. Usually I read some emails on Sundays, but MailChimp is who I use to get emails and stuff. MailChimp's email system is down right now. If you're sending messages in, I'm still receiving them. They're still going to my inbox, but I can't access it because their front page, like the, the front end thing that I use to access the emails is broken at the moment, but it'll be back up and running next week, hopefully. And if not, I'll, I mean, I've already contacted support with them. I'll, I'll start hammering down and getting more serious with it. So we're just going to listen to some voicemails. Hey, Owen, this is Greg from Georgia. Uh, I live in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. I'm independent like yourself. Oh, God, Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I'm outnumbered down here by these people that pretty much older crowd, 60s and up, that definitely have drank the Kool-Aid and believe they don't do any of the fact-checking on their own and believe basically what they're told by, you know, people like Marjorie or uh, their preacher at church. That's where they get their info. Um, in any case, enjoy your show. Uh, keep it up, buddy. I try to keep up on all your uh, podcasts as much as I can. So I want to, once again, thank you. And you got a fan down here in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. Have a great day, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'd be willing to bet I got a few people down there. You're probably not alone. It, it certainly feels like you are, I'm sure, with all the Nutter Butters running around doing their Nutter Buttery, spreading their Nutter Buttery all over everything, making a huge mess. But uh, there are a lot of people down there that are like-minded. Now, I, I do notice that Marjorie Taylor Greene is in a perfectly safe district. Something that I have noticed is that the really extreme people, the real Nutter Butters, are always in safe districts. Matt Gates, 
has almost zero chance of being unseated. Paul Gosar released an anime video of him basically killing like AOC and others. You know, all of these people that are really, really, really far to the right are in perfectly safe districts. You know what that tells me? It, at the very least, hints at the possibility that a lot more than just Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, and others, Paul Gosar, hints at the fact that more than just they are really far right, really extreme. It seems to me that it's reasonable to assume that maybe even the majority of the representatives in Congress right now are just as extreme, believe just as nutty stuff as all of the others, as Marjorie Taylor Greene and stuff. They just realize that if they voice those opinions, they could be voted out. I mean, there's got to be a way to pull them out, right? I mean, it seems to me that Lauren Boebert was just barely on the edge of losing her election. She was that close, within like 50 votes or something, right? Or maybe 100? I don't remember now. Marjorie Taylor Greene probably doesn't have a chance at being unseated by a Democrat, but who knows, maybe a more moderate Republican could unseat her eventually. Unfortunately, the longer they're in Congress, the harder it is to take them out of Congress. So there's that. Anyway, like I said, lots of people around you are like-minded. You're not alone in that, that area. And hopefully you can find some other like-minded people nearby because it sucks being alone. Hi, Owen. It's Alex, also known as Progress Only. I uh, listened to your recording or your uh, stream right before you leave for American Atheist, and you mentioned that they used recycled the characters in the Brave books. Right. So uh, just to some context here. There are these books called Brave Books, right? It's a book publisher, and it's uh, I think it was started by Kirk Cameron. Now, I've been going through these books, these Brave Books, on my YouTube channel, Telltale Reads, and I've actually read some of them on my main channel, as a matter of fact, like just Owen Morgan. I recently went through Shia Raychik's book titled No More Secrets, Candy Cavern. That's published by Brave Books. And uh, it's just unhinged stuff, dude. It's far-right extremist Christian nationalist nutter buttery for kids, really. That's what Brave Books are. So, yeah, uh, they've had a bunch of far-right conservative figures write these books. Uh, Shia Rachik, Steven Crowder, uh, something Posobiec. I'd never heard of this guy. Jack Posobiec, maybe? Never heard of him before, but he's apparently pretty big. The Hodge Twins, they wrote something. Activist Mommy, God, so many. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza, they're all, it, it's all crazy. Yeah, let's keep listening. The characters in the Brave books between them, like the elephant... Yeah, so the books are all, they have recycled things. Like um, here we've got like the parrots go bananas and it's all animals. So we've got Bongo here. This is the uh, the ape or whatever. And we have Paws Off My Hand Cannon. That's one of the books. And Bongo is like the star of that book. He's got a gun and he refuses to let go of it. It's just, God, it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. So, yeah, they recycle characters between them. Characters in the Brave books between them, like the elephant. And I just had a theory that is it possible that they are just finding conservative commentators to put as authors and using a ghostwriting service to write the actual books? Thank you. Good luck. Yeah, I appreciate the voicemail. That's a, an interesting question. I 
considered that, but I don't think so. I don't think they're being ghostwritten. If you're unfamiliar, ghostwriting is where you get somebody else to write a book and then you just put your name on it as the author. Donald Trump did this with The Art of the Deal. He didn't even write the book. Somebody else did. Anyways, ghostwriting is a pretty common and popular way of writing a book to try to get your work out there in, in front of a larger public. I don't think these are ghostwritten, and here's my reasoning. Every book that I've read so far, and I, I've read a bunch of them so far, all have different writing styles. They're all very, very different. The art styles all seem to be similar, but not exact. I think they're using different artists for each of these. But like Beautiful Differences, for example, by Steven Crowder, the rhymes are garbage. Everything about it is bad. The storyline is vapid and empty and nonsense. It's just, they're all terrible. But in other books, some of the rhymes are really, really good. Some of the, uh, some of them don't rhyme at all. So I, I, for that reason, I suspected that like maybe because of a different writing style, maybe they are not ghost written. But I don't know. It's so hard to know for sure. Like here, here's one. This is an anti-communism one, I guess. And in this anti-communist book, it doesn't even rhyme. It's just a totally different style. So, I don't know. It's hard to tell either way. Let me know what you think. Is Are these ghostwritten by, like, one guy, basically, or maybe a small group of people? Or are they actually written by the people who claim to be the authors, like Steven Crowder? Next, we're going to talk about the right's bizarre fever dream about the LGBT community. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. I don't want to see a guy twerking in front of me. I'm 60 years old. It has nothing to do with my kids. I don't want to see it. This is a citizen comments segment at in Franklin, Tennessee, I think. They were listening to citizens' objections or comments on a pride parade that was going to take place in the town not too long ago. As you can tell, it got completely unhinged, like to a ridiculous degree. Now, I want to talk about what got us to this point and where these people came from, what they believe. And I want to listen to some more of these comments from these people. I have a, a bunch of them. Before we listen to more of these comments, though, I let me just, with no lead up, I'm going to present to you a reaction to integration in the 1950s. There's a black family named the Myers, I think, who were trying to move into a white neighborhood. Now, if you remember your history, before the Civil Rights Act, I think, of 1964, it was against the law for black people to live in the same neighborhood as white people. I think that's the act that ended segregation. Just listen to this old film from the 1950s of these people describing how they felt about it when uh, the first black family moved into their area. Myers served for two and a half years in the army. Myers is the, the black guy that was moving in with his wife and three kids. He served in the army, okay? And was discharged as a staff sergeant. He works as a laboratory technician and is studying for a degree as an electrical engineer. His wife, Daisy, is a college graduate. So they're fine, upstanding citizens is the point. 
The Myers home is modestly furnished, and their late model family car was bought on time. There were several hundred who congregated on the street in front of the Myers house. And there were those among them who felt strongly enough to throw a rock through the picture window. Do you think a Negro family moving here will affect the community as a whole? Sorry, yeah, there's some language in this, but I feel like it's important to listen for cultural context at the time. I don't feel like that's necessarily a bad word if it's used in its proper context. But So he asks if it will affect the community as a whole for this family to be in their vicinity. Definitely. In what way? I think that, well, the property values will immediately go down if uh, they are allowed to move in here in any number. But Oh, well, we wouldn't want your house to lose its value, right? So we'll continue living in a society with second-class citizens in it. That settles it. But the whole trouble with this integration business is that uh, in the end, it probably will end up with, with mixing socially. And you will have... Well, I think their aim is mixed marriages and becoming equal with the whites. The horror. You know what's really sad about this? The U.S. never went through a period of integration. We went through a period where segregation came to an end, and the U.S. government took some steps to force integration. Like, for example, there are old pictures and videos of the first black girl attending a white school with soldiers and police officers. They had to stand by her and walk with her from class to class lest she end up dead or beaten. That would be an example of integration. But we never really went through integration as a society. We just removed the rules for the most part with few exceptions and let what happened next happen. Ex-marriages and becoming equal with the whites. But the only way they're going to do that is by education and by bettering themselves, not by pushing in the way they have here. That's fascinating. So she believes that the black community or, or black people individually are inferior to whites by default. There's a reason we're watching this. Keep it in mind. Keep it in the back of your head. But there are others who are for the Myers. Yes, I've read about them. For what reason, do you think, do they support the Myers? Frankly, I don't know what reasons they can have for it. Equal justice, uh, living in an equal society. I mean, the fact that she doesn't see what's wrong with racism, tribalism, and hatred like this is deeply disturbing. For it. If there are homeowners in Levittown, I don't see what reasons they can have for it. Some of the people are definitely against integration. And they have told my children that they have to marry Wow. Uh, who told their children this? Who said this to the kids? Is she saying that the black family told her children that they have to marry black people? Is that what she's trying to communicate right now? There's a point to this. Just keep listening. And my child doesn't even know what a is, but from the sound, it has scared them, and they have come home just crying. <clears throat> Mom I bet, I bet. It's so hard to live in a society where everybody is equals, huh? That's tough. That's tough. I get it. 
Mommy, do I have to marry Negroes? And my answer in handling all the fears that children come in is that you can marry who, whomever you wish. By the way, we both seem to be from below the Mason and Dixon line. Where are you from? I come from Kentucky. Of course she does. Of course, I lived in West Virginia, really close to the Kentucky border, so I knew people like this, 100%. I've said this before. I lived in a sundown town. It's a town where black people are really not welcome. And if they come, they better be gone by sundown or something's going to be done about it, basically. I, I've mentioned this before, in fact, recently, but there was a KKK pamphlet thrown at my door. Not just mine, everybody all down the street in my town, the, the sundown town I'm talking about. The KKK drives down the streets and throws a bag with rice in it and a pamphlet at every door. Now, this pamphlet specifically was an anti-Muslim pamphlet. It's I've gone through it. I'm not going to go through it right now. But generally, the idea is Islam is evil and it's trying to overtake Christianity. Blah, 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 blah. You know, all that garbage. That's the kind of town I lived in. Not by choice, by the way. I mean, I left when I finally could. And that's the kind of town that this woman seems to be from. But unfortunately, it was just about every town back in the 50s that was like this. You know how many people were in the town that she lived in at the time? This study was being done in Levittown, Pennsylvania, I believe, and it had 60,000 people, 60,000 people in this town. That's not tiny. I uh, have found uh, several colored people that I have enjoyed their friendship. Uh, I would not let that determine whether I become friend to them by their color. And right there is the reason why it's such a joke when you hear somebody say, I have black friends. I have gay friends. I know gay people. I'm close with them. I don't hate gay people. I don't hate black people. I just don't think that they're equal to everybody else. They shouldn't have the same rights as everybody else. That's all. Uh, of their skin. Have you heard any rumors? <clears throat> uh, I had heard several rumors of which that I have just taken as rumors go, but the one that bothered me most was the fact that the Myers family... Wait, she says she took them as far as rumors go, which means you shouldn't trust them at all. She's repeating them here. Okay, what's the rumor about the Myers family? One that bothered me most was the fact that the Myers family has moved in to several all-white sections and trying to be the first colored family to move in to start the other ones to come in that they have done this before. Now, I... So she's basically ascribing nefarious motives to them, saying they're setting out to ruin people's lives by living near them. That's insane. Now, I believe that if they do come here to cause trouble, then I'm against what they're doing, their principle. But if they're just trying to find a better place to live and to bring up their children, then I'm for them. Never before in our house was anything mentioned pro or con about colored people no okay this is this is an important part you remember a minute ago the last woman said her children were told that they would have to marry black people right and she explained to her children that they could be told you know, they could marry whoever they want now this woman is saying our children have mostly been divorced from the situation okay keep listening because I feel that 
they have to uh, be in contact with them to a certain extent, and why should their minds be prejudiced? But since they have moved here, uh, they have heard remarks. It's fascinating that this woman believes herself to not be prejudice, right? She thinks that she is not racist. Genuinely, I believe this. I think she really believes in her heart she's not racist. She very obviously is. And, uh, well, I'm afraid that they are going to dislike the idea. So the children have heard remarks. They've heard things around from the family members. Now here's where this ties back into this group of people at this citizen comments thing happening in Franklin, Tennessee. This happened in the 1950s, right? That was how long ago? Say 1953, what, what is that? 70 years roughly, give or take, somewhere in there. Listen to what this guy says again. Early April 2023 at this citizens comments thing in Franklin, Tennessee. I don't want to see a guy twerking in front of me. I'm 60 years old. 60 years old, you say? Interesting. This guy and the other people at these comment sections are the children in this film here. These are the people that were there while their parents are freaking out and losing their minds that a black family is moving into the community. These are the people that freaked out and spread rumors and threw rocks through their windows. These people are the children that were there to witness it. And now we have them up here doing a comment section saying, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. I've never been racist. That's just not who I am. But uh, yeah, I don't want to see what the gay community is doing. I don't, I don't even want to see a gay person. I don't want them as part of my community. I don't want them around at all. I don't want to see a guy twerking in front of me. I don't know when he's been in that position where he would see that, but okay. I've never seen that. And I'm like, not, I, I'm as close to the gay community as you get without actually being gay. I'm 60 years old. It has nothing to do with my kids. I don't want to see it. So I don't care who you date. This is about opposing a very dark political movement. Find a private venue or a safe space that you say you desire. You see, this is, this is the whole bit. This is how it works. She says, find a safe space, find a venue you're comfortable in, not the public. She, they're talking about a pride parade going through town, right? The problem is we've seen this exact thing play out before. We know how this ends. When pride parades are brought to an end, when people aren't allowed to move into the community, the people opposing this group, the black community, the gay community, whoever it happens to be, the trans community, the people opposing them will move the line and find a new thing to complain about every single time. We don't have to wonder what happens next. We have the benefit of hindsight. You can go to the library. You can go to my church. I don't care. Just stay out of the public venues with what you're trying to advertise. And what are they trying to advertise exactly? What's being advertised? That it's okay to be gay or that they are gay? Now, there is a kind of an internal debate within the gay community and within allies communities, is it okay to represent kink at pride parades? And the ultimate consensus is no, you shouldn't be doing that. In fact, I don't know of any pride parades that represent 
kink, you know, that come in like leather suits or whatever, because everybody is aware that kids are going to be there because 14, 15 year old kids have probably already known that they're gay for a while at that point. And bringing sexualized stuff around kids is not okay. So by and large, everybody agrees that you really shouldn't involve kink at Pride. They're not complaining about that. They're complaining about people being gay, which is made evident by the very next comment. God's word is clear that homosexuality is a sin. Do we or do we not want sex on display in a public park here in Franklin, Tennessee? Nobody is displaying sex at a public park in Tennessee. They're displaying the fact that they're gay. They're, they're very different. You ever seen a movie where, you know, uh, an eight-year-old boy is interested in an eight-year-old girl and he's chasing after her and he's giving her flowers and giving her things and blah, blah, blah? That's pretty common. It's a common movie trope or even TV trope. That happens all the time in film. Why is that okay, but not a boy and a boy okay? The only differentiating factor between the two is the fact that one is gay and one is straight. When I see an eight-year-old boy giving an eight-year-old girl flowers, I don't think to myself, they're grooming children to be straight. That doesn't even cross my mind. Ultimately, the problem is they believe the Bible says that homosexuality is wrong. That's it. There is no deeper anything to it. They just don't like the fact that people are gay. And they try to cover it up and hide it and smooth it over exactly the same way that the people did back in the 1950s about black people integrating with white people. They've always got a reason for why this shouldn't happen. And when they get their way, when they bring society a few steps back, they move the goalposts to match every single time on display in a public park here in Franklin, Tennessee. It's only a matter of time before it turns out into what you would see in other major cities. Wait, what, what's happening in other major cities? I live in New York City. It's fantastic here. What are they talking about? I don't understand. This is another thing about Republicans. They absolutely love to claim that New York City is like a liberal hellscape that is just destroyed. It's been ravaged by BLM protesters. No, no. New York City is perfectly fine. In fact, it is the safest city that I have ever lived in. I've never felt safer walking down the streets of New York City. And I'm talking anywhere in New York City, in Manhattan, anywhere in Manhattan. I guess 125th Street is a little bit dicey, but just keep your eyes peeled and keep on walking and doing your thing and you're fine. Every town has its issues. New York City is the best place I've ever lived. Anyway, so yeah, she's all freaked out about big cities, apparently, okay? Before it turns out into what you would see in other major cities. We are at an inflection point in this city's history and in this nation's history where pronouns are being shoved down our throats. As if pronouns have never been used up until this moment in human history. Oh my God. I'm sure you don't want to see me in a bondage gear outfit. I wouldn't look very good. He's implying, God, what the... Okay, he's implying that, you know, there are bondage gear outfits at pride parades. That's simply false. By and large, pride parades are child-inclusive, and that excludes necessarily kink-related things like that. So, just completely made up. Uh, you know what? If there, if there is that stuff, as one of the closest allies to the LGBT community, I would oppose that. 
too. There you go. I also want to say this. This lie of being hated, gay community that's here, we love you. We don't hate you. I have friends that are gay. I grew up being surrounded by gay community in Southern Yeah, I bet. A hundred percent. You know what? I feel like I've heard this before. This is this is really familiar. Where have I heard this before? I uh, have found uh, several colored people that I have enjoyed their friendship. Uh, I would not let that determine whether I become friend to them by the color. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. I'm telling you, these tactics, these ideas, the, these are all, like, recycled through the decades. These people's parents that we're listening to right now, these people right here, their parents were making these exact same arguments for segregation in the 1950s. The same arguments, verbatim. But it gets even worse, if you can believe it. There's even more to this story. Okay, there was a woman there. This one right here on screen, if you can see her. If you're listening, then just she's some blonde woman. Anyway, before I play this, let me give a little bit of lead up because she's about to spout a bunch of propaganda and I need to explain the real situation so that you can juxtapose her description of it with the actual situation. Okay, there's a school. It was called Francis Parker School. Okay, it's a private school. Tuition is $52,000 a year. A lot of money. You basically got to be rich to go to a school like this, right? Well, in standard public schools, they have these sex ed classes. In good public schools, they have sex ed classes that are not abstinence only, right? These sex ed classes will explain to you that condom use is important, explain what an STD is and how to avoid it and things like that. I personally was exempted from sex ed classes because my parents wanted me to get my education on it from Jehovah's Witnesses, but that's neither here nor there. I understand that there's, on occasion, a banana involved. I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, tell me your experiences with it in the comments. Anyways, this school, Francis Parker School, I think it's Francis Parker High School. It's a high school, specifically. So we're talking basically 15 to 18-year-old kids, right? Probably already sexually active. And if they're not, then they know by this point in their life whether they're gay or straight or trans or whatever. Almost certainly, right? Well, this Francis Parker School held an elective, optional, additional sex ed class for members of the LGBT community. If they chose, they could sign up for it to learn about specific things that are relevant to the LGBT community. Like uh, HIV, when it started back in the 80s, was spreading around the LGBT community specifically. They were suffering the worst from its effects. So it focuses in on how to stay safe and how to use certain types of toys and things like that in a safe way. Again, optional. So now let's listen to this woman's description of the same situation. Again, early April 2023. It started out as pride coming in. And I thought everything would be okay. I was totally fine with them having and doing what they wanted under the laws. And it ended with a rainbow room where eight to 12 year old kids were given hugs until. And I'm sorry, what? <laughs> eight to 12 year old kids? No, no, they were high school aged kids. They're 15 to 18, kids that are probably already sexually active. And rainbow room? Where did this come from? What's she even talking about? 
The reason I know that this is what she's talking about is because Libs of TikTok, Chaya Rachik, and Project Veritas started passing around this heavily edited video from Francis Parker High School where Veritas went in and uh, deceived the guy, tricked him into saying a bunch of stuff and then edited you know, all this stuff together and clipped it out and twisted it around and made it sound like it was something completely different than what it actually was. It was absurd. But that's what she's referencing. Even the Project Veritas video didn't stretch it this much. See, this is how it works. You start with a reasonably mundane, trivial, normal thing. You know, an additional sex ed class that students can take if they choose. You step that up by heavily editing and deceitfully asking questions and spreading that out to social media. And then you twist it even more from that point. Every step along the way, it gets distorted and warped even more. And we're looking at the final product of that distortion with this woman talking about rainbow rooms, 8 to 12-year-olds. What is she even talking about? This makes zero sense. At this point, like there's a kernel of truth. At this point, I'm comfortable saying this is completely made up. A room where 8 to 12-year-old kids were given bugs and and. Like she's pretending to gag. Like this isn't even real. She fabricated this. This is coming out of her own head. This should tell you something about where her head is at. That she would come up with something this depraved. What is wrong with people? Seriously. Trained. They're trained. No, they're not trained. No more than a kid learning how to use a condom on a banana in sex ed class is trained. It's ridiculous, dude. Seriously. She's a joke. This whole thing is a joke. Trained. They just got a city grant for $650,000 to be able to do more training on the children. More training on the children. It was horrendous. <laughs> I have asked my friends there what if it's getting any better every single one of them are leaving and it look if this actually happened to some kid especially if it was like a friend of hers there would be lawsuits out the wazoo there is no way in hell this would ever stand in a court of law nobody left or right would ever stand for this this isn't what's happening this is fabricated nonsense formed out of her own imagination and she's you know you remember why she's here remember why she's here she is here to speak out against a pride parade a lawful demonstration under the first amendment she's trying to silence people's first amendment rights to peaceful protest to speak their mind it's supposed to be a core american value and she's using this fake story to bludgeon people this is how it works they make up a fake story about kids being attacked and use it as the pretext to censor people real censorship not fabricated fake persecution complex censorship real censorship real prevention from speaking your mind at the hand of the government is what she's shooting for right now
and she's pretending to cry and fake vomit to get her point across so that she won't have to see gay people walk through her neighborhood. If it's getting any better, every single one of them are leaving and it is a very good tax base. These conservatives are good tax base people. Yeah, I don't know what that has to do with anything. It was absolutely horrible to watch. What was horrible to watch? What? What did you see? Show me. Give me the clip. Let's see it. There is no clip. There is no video of this. There's no audio. There's no nothing. It's fake. She made it up so that she could take people's rights away. Does it get more depraved than this? You think that you're doing things based on laws, but you are doing things and you are letting Satan in. He will not take an inch. I promise you. Thank he you will for take your everything comments. and it Next, will not stop. Please. It doesn't stop. Your mom takes an inch. So does this sound familiar? Some of the people are definitely against integration. And they have told my children that they have to marry. The same way that this woman made up a story about her children being forced to marry black people. Here we have this woman making up a story about children being forced to, I don't know, be exposed to this stuff when they're not. The political right conservatives have always used children as a pretext to attack minority groups every time without fail. And again, this woman is the child of this generation right here. I don't know if this woman with the, you know, with the blonde hair at this community meeting talking about rainbow rooms. I don't know if she's, you know, I don't know if she grew up in a racist household. I don't know if she's exposed to these conversations from the 1950s about black people oppressing everybody around them. I don't know. But she's using the same arguments and it's a little uncanny for me. Since I'm thinking about it while I have you here, let me just show you what happens when people get their rights taken away. I don't agree with the moderator nor Reverend Robinson that we want some kind of agreement. We want agreement by which we can live or die. You choose. If you won't listen to me when I make an appeal for the Negroes because you have no concern for the Negroes, listen to me when I make an appeal for America. You claim you love America. Well, we love America. But you are driving us back and you are making a Samson out of us and we are going to pull down the pillars. Should you try to pretend that I'm crazy because I want America to be saved? And then you think we have no right to ask for something? Is it too much to ask you to grant us human dignity? Should we be put down and shot to death for this request? If so, you can aim your guns. What the hell do you think we care about dying if you're going to deny us the right to live? Throughout history, white majority groups have oppressed minorities every time. This guy right here, if you're watching and not listening, this guy right here is the target of this conversation right now.
but without fail, it's always been, in America at the very least, white men taking people's rights away and oppressing them. When you do this enough, people fight back. They don't like having their rights taken away, and they recognize the disparity. You know, this, this, this revolution is filled with so many ironies, really. Uh, first, you tell us that it is manly to keep your word, all right? If you are a man, you keep your word. And now all that the black people in this country are demanding, and even the black people in the whole world are demanding, is that you keep your word. You told us we were free. Well, then show us that we're free. You told us that there is justice, equality for all in this country. Well, then stick to your word and let us see the justice and equality for all. At this moment in history, black people were being murdered in the streets in the South and, you know, in the North, not as commonly. But Alabama, Louisiana, Texas, you know, all over the place, they were being murdered in the streets. They weren't allowed to just live. Or else admit to us that you're not a man. You're a worm. You're afraid of us. You're afraid to give us equal stand. You're afraid that if you give us equal ground that we will match you and we will override you. And if that's what you're afraid of us, then, then tell us that just what you're afraid of. But don't keep hiding it from us and, and holding this up to us. And every time we ask you for something, you give us a little bit of something. And it's all tokenism. We don't want tokenism. And there are most black men in this world that don't want charity. And yet still, every time we ask you for something, you give us a little piece, a little piece. You're playing games with us. We're not children. All they wanted was dignity, equality, and justice. Everybody in the United States is entitled to those things. It is our birthright as human beings to have dignity and justice in the United States. And somehow, minority groups keep ending up on the other end. They keep having their rights taken. They keep being sentenced longer than their white counterparts or their straight counterparts or whatever. They keep getting attacked. They keep get We keep getting people going to citizen comment meetings making things up about them and using it as a pretext to take away their civil rights their right to peacefully protest to peacefully demonstrate it's not even a protest it's a demonstration these people are doing everything they can to silence voices who are just trying to peacefully demonstrate it is a tale as old as time it's been happening since the birth of the country people have been oppressing minorities like this and what's sad is they keep using the same tactics over and over again let me know what you think about it in the comments next we're going to talk about trump cultist and politician rachel ham aiming for a press secretary position in trump's new administration we'll be right back don't forget to check out my patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored ad-free complete videos all links are in the description so my grandmother offered to put me in preschool. The cover was that it was a preschool, but in reality, it was a coven where they were training children in satanic rituals and in all things satanic and how to be a Satanist, literally. No, this is Rachel Ham. She ran for secretary of state in California in I think 2022 or maybe 2020. I don't remember now. Anyways, she is a Trumpist extremist to the highest degree 
And she's obviously an evangelical nutter butter who has some absolutely unhinged beliefs about society. Now, the reason I'm talking about her right now is because she went on Roger Stone's program recently to talk about her mission or her goal to be Trump's press secretary. I wouldn't count her out completely because, you know, Trump loves to include QAnon Nutter Butters, which, by the by, she most definitely is a QAnon Nutter Butter. He loves to include QAnon Nutter Butters in his you know, goings-on, his administration, his dealings in general. Let's talk about who she is, what beliefs she holds, and why it's so bizarre and disturbing that she's trying to get in good with Trump right now. This is a video of her with Johnny Enlow, another QAnoner and a Trump pastor. Dude's kind of the linchpin between QAnon and Christianity. He's a Trump and QAnon pastor. Uh, she went on this TV show with him to talk about her beliefs and why she was running. Check this out. Mid-March 2022. What, what was the 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 reason behind deciding to run for this office. I mean, you've got a lot of things. First of all, I'm a prophetic dreamer. So I had spent a lot of 2019 and 20. She's a prophetic dreamer. She believes that God sends her dreams through or sends her prophecy through dreams. Really? It gets even weirder. Just wait. Having a lot of political dreams that I was in office. And because our youngest son, Ezekiel, is a seer, I went and got him. And I He's a seer. That's another type of prophet, a seer. He sees things. She's about to describe a situation that will perfectly encapsulate what a seer is. They are so weird, dude. I went and got him. And I said, hey, can you look around and see what you're seeing? Because I, I just really, I get a kick out of hearing him describe, you know, what he sees. And so I said, you mean make things up. Pretend to see angels and stuff. Okay. I can see how that would be funny. Go on. You know, let me know if you see anything. And so he looked in my bedroom and my bathroom. And he said, there's nothing there. And then he goes into the closet, which is where I had been when I was praying. And Okay. Why were you in the closet when you were praying? That is a weird place to pray. When I was a Jehovah's Witness, I would just pray wherever. I would pray in bed. I would pray at my desk. I would pray in my bedroom. I mean, I didn't crawl into a closet to do that. Kind of a weird thing to do, but okay. It gets weirder. Goes into the closet, which is where I had been when I was praying. And he said, whoa. And his eyes got like big as saucers. And he kind of like started backing away and they started bending down. And he said, you've got a really big guy in your closet. And he his power is pushing me to the ground. And we had never had, he'd never had that reaction ever Whoa. to an angel. Whoa. You hear the guy in the background. Whoa. And so I'm like, is he, he's, he's for us, not against us. Right. Cause I was sure, you know, <laughs> a response. And he's like, he's full of light. He's so full of light. I can't even see his face. And, and then he said, and he has a scroll in his hand. And so I was like, then he came with a message. Like, what is the message? And the message was a commissioning. So at the very... The message was a commissioning. So what she's saying is this angel or whatever in her closet that her son saw through his prophetic gift is commissioning her to run for secretary of state or whatever. Okay. So at the very end, I asked him what his name was because I thought, what angel is this? You know, and he said, Emmanuel. 
That wasn't an angel. <laughs> that wasn't an angel. Listen to Johnny Enlow laughing at this. This is like embarrassing, really. This is like, this is painful. It's so embarrassing. And he's laughing. Emmanuel, by the way, is a name that was given to Jesus or whatever. It's a name that people believe that Jesus went by at one point. His real name was Yeshua in the Bible because J's didn't exist until the 1400s. Just like God's name is Yahweh in the Bible, not Jehovah. Again, J's didn't exist until the 1400s. But okay. That wasn't an angel. That was Jesus himself. And so... That's why I'm running for Secretary of State. So it's kind of a... Dude, it's so painful. Does she believe the things that she's saying? Is this story made up or did her son pretend to see Jesus? That's my real question. Who's making it up? One of them is. Is it her son or is it her? I have an unconventional answer that I honestly get mocked for, but, you know, by the other side of, of, course, yeah. of this war. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense that you'd be mocked for that. That's ridiculous. So let's talk about what she had to say recently on Roger Stone's program. Check this out. Mid-April 2023. You have talked to me about uh, pulling up stakes, coming to Florida, uh, putting your own political ambitions aside, because you and I agree uh, that the election of Donald Trump in 2024 may be the last best hope for freedom uh, and the... Dude, what, is, what kind of hat is this guy wearing right now? By the by, Roger Stone has a show on Lindell TV, on Mike Lindell's TV network or whatever. God, it's just, it's absurd on every level. Everything about this is just absurd. The last best hope for freedom uh, and the survival of this nation. So if Trump doesn't win the 2024 election, then it's over for the world and for well, for the country specifically, he says the last best hope for the nation. Right. I don't think Roger Stone's a true believer. I don't buy it. I've followed the guy's history for a long, long time. He's been involved in politics for like decades and decades. You know, he has a tattoo of Nixon on his back. Richard Nixon famously did the whole Watergate scandal. Back in the day, Roger Stone here on the left actually worked for Richard Nixon. He was on Nixon's campaign. And he would famously do things like donate to his political opponent. I mean, Stone's never run for office, but he'd work for a campaign and he'd donate to their opponent in the name of, you know, the American Socialists Organization. And he would get a receipt that said American Socialists on it or whatever. And he would send that to the news. It would leak to like CNN or whatever that his political opponent was taking donations from socialists. That's the kind of thing that Roger Stone did when he started out. Dirty tricks like that. He also was involved in Watergate, to my understanding. He was on the Nixon campaign when Watergate took place. This nation, um, tell me what your current thinking is. Yes, I absolutely think that right now it's an all-hands-on-deck situation to save the country. And the best way that we can do that is by supporting Donald Trump. Because I can tell you that it is very clear to me that... The God in heaven, the God of creator, the, the God and creator of heaven and earth has anointed Donald Trump to be president. Period. Okay, that means that they believe him to be the Messiah. 
the language that they're using, like the, the word anointed, has different meanings in different denominations. Like Jehovah's Witnesses have a specific idea of what it means to be anointed. But in their religious and political ideology, anointed means you're a messiah. She believes Trump to be the messiah. If you are anointed by Yahweh for a specific plan and purpose, you are a Messiah. Yahshua was the Messiah of mankind, but Donald Trump is the Messiah of America. Like I said, anointed means something different to different denominations, but in their denomination, Shane Vaughn, who we just listened to, and Rachel Ham and others in this weird little sect of Christianity, Trump is the Messiah. He's the Messiah. It is very clear to me that the God in heaven, the God of creator, the, the God and creator of heaven and earth has anointed Donald Trump to be president, period. Now, because of that, because I feel so strong about that, I believe that it is my obligation to do everything I can do to support him in order to support the country, in order to support God's agenda. And I, I really, I know that's an extreme thing, um, I don't really care that that's an extreme thing. It's very true. Well, I mean, at least she's kind of got a little bit of self-awareness, right? She's an extremist. She seems to be accepting that. I don't really care that that's an extreme thing. It's very true to to what I believe. And so at this point, what I have done is after running for Secretary of State, I, I threw a lot of prayer and a personal assessment with my family. In the closet, right? She was sitting in the in the closet praying. We really explored what is the most effective thing I could do right now to help save the country? And I concluded that it was supporting the president and, and quite honestly, any role that would be most effective for him in the country. I think that the media, I think that being press secretary is an excellent role for me. I'm very strong. I would really love to have a chance to meet with some of those reporters in the press room and, you know, kind of like nail their heads to the wall. I think that'd be really fun. In I shouldn't be this charitable, but I assume that she means figuratively. I think that'd be really fun in support of the president. She believes that Trump is the Messiah and is prepared to sacrifice everything, including her own life, if that's what it took, seemingly to support him in his endeavors because God has anointed him. That is unhinged. That is straight up unhinged. Like I said, she ran for Secretary of State. Yeah, Secretary of State in California a little while back. So we've got lots and lots of clips of her saying absolutely off the wall stuff. She is a Christian nationalist extremist. She's a crusader, what you'd call a crusader. Mid-April 2023, same interview. Listen to what she had to say about religious people and society. And one of the things I'd mentioned to you last night was that um, I had been concerned about something I was observing in culture, which was like the collective intelligence kind of lowering. I hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm totally with you on that one. I don't normally think that, but sitting here listening to her, it, it, you know, she's bringing me over to her side right now. Like it seemed like everywhere I went, people were not very intelligent and not able to cope with what would seemingly be basic things. An example is I gave someone money at a cash register and she put the money in the cash register and closed it. Well, I was due change. And so I said, I, I, I had change coming to, to me. She goes, oh yeah, I know, but I don't know how to make change. And the person who does that is on break right now. And just kind of Wow. 
Okay, fascinating. Well, first of all, I don't believe a single story out of her mouth. I don't believe anything she says. As far as I'm concerned, she proved herself to be a liar when she told the story about praying in the closet and her son walking in and seeing Jesus or something like that. Like I said, I don't know who lied there, but one of them did at the very least. I don't believe a single word out of her mouth. And in addition to that, it makes complete sense that, like, even if this story were true, that somebody wouldn't be able to get change. It's not that people are incapable of making change. They wouldn't hire somebody if they didn't know how to make change. Okay, people can count. They learn these things in second grade. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to find that this person, like, didn't have access to a register that, that was capable of making change. Like, sometimes they have, like, you know, $300 bills and their register is out of ones or, like, out of nickels or something like that. And they need someone to go back to the safe and trade out, like, some of the bigger bills for smaller bills. I used to have to deal with that all the time at Burger King when I worked there. I was not allowed access to the safe because I was not a manager. I was just a cashier. So naturally, I have to have a manager there. And if there's not a manager nearby, if they're on break or something, I'm out of luck. I mean, that's the most charitable possible situation I can imagine in which she was telling the truth. And that doesn't add up to somebody being unintelligent. You know, people can learn how to count. Even monkeys can learn how to count. Literally anybody, practically, can learn how to count. That's not the problem. And if this really did happen, somebody just doesn't know how to count, it reflects on society still. Society should be providing opportunities for people to learn these things. They should be sending them to school, to kindergarten, you know, K through 12th grade should be teaching people how to count. If they're incapable of counting and making change like that because they're not smart enough, it's because of the policies that she pushes, not because they're just not smart enough. Okay, she's got a prescription for this, though. She, she knows exactly how to resolve this problem of people being low IQ, I guess, as she puts it. How to make change, and the person who does that is on break right now. And she kind of linked at me, and I thought, are you serious? And she was. So when you have a whole generation or a couple of generations that have no reverence for God whatsoever, you're going to have stupidity. Right, right. It's that we don't have enough God. People are dumb because we don't have enough Jesus. Right. Okay. Where is her head? It's in La La Land. It gets even worse than that. Okay. Those are the most recent clips. I have more for you. I played this in my intro. But I want to play the whole thing because it gets wacky, dude. Mid-March 2022, again, this is like her lead up to running for Secretary of State of California. By the way, Secretary of State of California would have been in control of the voting systems and tallying them up and everything. Everything to do with voting, Secretary of State handles pretty much. We should be thankful that she did not get the job. I don't think she was even close, but look, she didn't win. But people that share her backwards belief systems win all the time. Paul Gosar is currently in Congress, basically uncontested. And he shares the exact beliefs as her. Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Lauren Boebert. I mean, they're all over the place. They are exactly like Rachel Hamm in pretty much every way, theologically and politically. So maybe she lost. Maybe she wasn't even close, but others are. Okay, let's see. So 2022 California Secretary of State election. 
she got 822,000 votes. 822,000. Well, 823,000, basically. 12% of the vote. 12% is pretty low, but almost a million votes, dude. A million people saw what she had to say and said, yeah, I'll have some of that. That is unhinged. Seriously. It eventually went on to be a race against Robert Bernoski and Shirley Weber. Shirley Weber, the Democrat, won with 59%, 4 million votes. She got a million almost. The eventual winner got 4 million. That's crazy. So listen to her description of growing up as an evangelical nutter butter and being subjected to satanic ritual abuse, supposedly. Satan also has a plan for your life. And that's something that I think is sometimes eye-opening to people. Like they don't realize how much there's a battle over your life and over your destiny and how we have to war to sometimes get ourselves into that promised land. And for me, the war started really young when I was in preschool. Um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so I was normally home with her. But then she had to have surgery on her neck. And so after all of the lies that I have heard from this woman, I'm starting to wonder if anything out of her mouth is true. Did her mom even have surgery on her neck? I don't know. I'm doubting basically everything at this point. It was going to be quite the, the recovery process and going to be just a long journey. So my grandmother offered to put me in preschool since it would be hard for my mom to recover and also take care of me. So she took her up on that. And the preschool was a coven that was run by witches and a coven you say okay go on is and really it was the cover was that it was a preschool but in reality it was a coven where they were training children in satanic rituals and in all things satanic and completely made up obviously do i even need to say it this is fabricated garbage from the ground up this is not happening there's this thing called the satanic panic it was an era in the 1980s kind of stretched into the 90s. And honestly, the satanic panic never fully went away, but it was an era in the 80s and 90s. It started then, roughly, where Christians, moral crusaders, believed that there were Satanists around every corner trying to indoctrinate children into their satanic practices. And blah, 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 blah. Sound familiar? I mean, today we have people talking about the left and how they're trying to indoctrinate children into this thing or that thing or whatever. Satanists trying to indoctrinate children into their ways. And there were something, I forget, like 11,000 reports or something over the course of like 10 years of satanic ritual abuse of nurseries and preschools and daycares all supposedly practicing Satanist rituals on children. And not one, not one of these reports was verified. Of course, it was all made up all along. And here we have an example of somebody in 2022, I think is when this came out. Yeah, because she's running in 2022. In 2022, claiming that Satanists were out trying to convert her to Satanism or whatever. The whole satanic panic thing started because a woman named... Michelle, I forget her last name now, was seeing a therapist and this therapist helped extract, quote unquote, repressed memories. It turns out they were false memories. This is why in the psychology community, you never try to unrepress repressed memories 
because there's a 50-50 shot that they're completely fake. The person can even believe to the bottom of their heart that they're 100% real and they're mistaken. That's how false memories work. My mom had experiences with false memories when I was little. So she had these false memories extracted from her by this therapist who eventually went on to marry her. Big no-no, by the way, in the psychology ethics community. And uh, he wrote a book about it called Michelle Remembers, about how she was subjected to satanic rituals and they did all of this terrible stuff to her. They even came up with names for all this stuff, satanic ritual abuse. It was all fake all along, every last bit of it. And that is what Rachel Ham is describing right now. She's just regurgitating the same garbage that came out of Michelle Remembers, the book that sparked the satanic panic. Jules and in all things satanic and how to be a Satanist. Literally. No, there are no Satanists out there doing this. It's fabricated. Literally. It was day one. It was, it was immediate. And no, it wasn't. And I then, you know, just begged to not go back. But I didn't say what was happening there, though, because... They made you feel like you were complicit. So you would never tell because you think you're equally guilty. See, this right here is what happens when narcissists see psychologists. They pick up psychology language and use it to their benefit. There really are situations in which manipulative people or abusive people will make you do something bad so that you are complicit in the wrongdoing and implicated in the event you're, you know, forced to explain what happened to cops or to CPS or whatever. They will make you implicate yourself. What she's describing really does happen, but not with Satanists. This is completely made up, and it's honestly disgusting that she would say such a thing, that she would manipulate psychology, language, and situations to her benefit, to make people believe that she was abused when she was not. So just briefly, what, what kind of things were they having you do things like with the other kids, or were they trying to have that, them do that to you? Um, All of the above. And then they literally like teach you how to cast a spell. Um, we had to make covenants, which I have undone all of that now, you know. Completely made up, all of it. And it's truly, deeply disgusting that she wanted to convince people of this. A million votes in California aiming for Trump's press secretary position, okay? Just disturbing on every level. One thing that's interesting is I had been told in the preschool that my, my firstborn would belong to Satan. And... I did not have conscious memory of that on an ongoing basis until later. I remember, remembered that at one point. And how does she know that's not a false memory? Seriously, everything out of this woman's mouth is a lie. She can't be trusted to tell the truth about anything at this point, in my opinion. And she's this close to having a real position of authority in government. If God anointed Trump, why do we need to do anything? Mark Smith. Fair point. Why are we in the equation at all? You know, that, that's actually a really fascinating thing you mentioned because there's a guy, Johnny Enlow. This is uh, Johnny Enlow. I, again, I, we talked about him a minute ago in the previous clip in this video, but this is him explaining 
that he received divine prophecy from God about Donald Trump. This goes all the way back to 2019. This is uh, early December 2019, right before the 2020 election. He's describing a prophecy he received from God about Donald Trump leading up to the 2020 election. And so I was like, Lord, as I'm saying that, what the first thing he said is, he is going to save you from things you don't know you need to be saved from yet. And then the Lord progressively began to speak regarding that. And he said, this time in the presidency is going to be a hinge of the ages. You notice how he's picking up on like biblical language. You can kind of determine what type of or what Bible translation he's using based on how he phrases things, the grammar he uses. And then the Lord began to speak regarding that. And he said, that's not something you say in common English, right? He's just trying to mimic the Bible. So what was it God told him about Trump? Is going to be a hinge of the ages and be known as before Trump and after Trump because of the way I'm going to use him. I'm using him as a Trump card, but I'm the Trump card player. God, this is painful, dude. This is so cringy. It's painful. Your nation will be known as before Trump and after Trump. And he said, the nations will be known as before Trump, after Trump. And the Lord, it was like, I'm really not interested in your all's vote this time. I'm doing it. I usually give you all that option. This time, I'm not. This is a rescue operation from heaven. This is this is a, a, a moment of the ages. So this is here's why this is fascinating to me. He's saying it's going to be a hinge of the ages instead of counting our calendar as like B.C. and A.D., which is before Christ and Anno Domini, which means year of our Lord. We're going to switch to B.T. and A.T., before Trump and after Trump. We're moving from a Jesus-based system to a Trump-based system. That should tell you all you need to know about how this guy and everybody in this movement views Donald Trump. They view him as a messiah. John Yenlow, Rachel Ham, and Shane Vaughn, the guy I showed earlier talking about how Trump is the messiah of America. They view him as a messiah. I don't know how it gets any clearer. So they're going to begin basing their calendars off of before Trump and after Trump, or he believed that America would. Of course, that never happened. But, you know, that little bit that he said there in the middle, that relates to mark smith's comment there so again this is before the 2020 election this is 2019 early december and johnny enlow had the right idea if god anointed trump why do we need to do anything like mark smith said absolutely on point you're you're completely correct why indeed even they realized how absolutely absurd it was to believe that we needed to do anything not interested in your all's vote this time i'm doing it what happened what happened? They can sit here and claim that it was stolen all they want. They can claim Biden reversed prophecy all they want. It seems clear as day to me that none of these people can be trusted to tell the truth about anything at this point. Nothing. Next, we're going to talk about Michelle Bachman getting on an emergency prayer call with Trump and asking God to install him as a dictator. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. I ask, oh God, that you would take your iron rod, smash the delusion, Father, of Joe Biden as our president. He is not. 
Oh, I love it, dude. This is Michelle Bachman immediately after the 2020 election. She was, if you're unfamiliar, I believe a congressman from Minnesota for a while, from I think 2009 to 2011 or something. But that was enough to really shoot her star to the top. She is one of the more influential people in the Trumpist extremist movement now. And oh my God, does she have some memeable moments. I love it to death because she is so weird sometimes. It's hilarious. She was on a prayer call with Donald Trump recently who was really, really upset that he got arrested or indicted. I don't know what it was at this moment. This is early April 2023. Listen to what she had to say on this prayer call with Donald Trump. Oh God, would you declare... Why does she keep saying, oh God? I don't understand. I I'm not from a religion that says it like that i ask oh god who is oh god is that one word o-g-o-d oh god would you declare donald j trump innocent oh father would you free donald trump from his troubles and our troubles here in america you know he could have actually gotten out of this trouble or you know he could have not faced this trouble at all donald trump that is if he had just not broken the law. I have never once in my life ever worried about being charged with falsifying business records or trying to overturn an election or insurrection or any of that. Weird, right? That I've never worried about being charged with these things. If the dude doesn't want to be charged, there's a simple solution. You don't have to ask God to save him. Just don't do it, seems to me. She is trying to overturn justice right now by praying to God. She's praying for God to overturn justice, to protect somebody from the consequences of their actions, right? Our troubles here in America. Oh, Lord, would you have mercy on Donald J. Trump in America? And would you hear this prayer tonight from your people? So long will you people ruin John Donald J. Trump's reputation. Ruin his reputation. As if his reputation isn't in the garbage already. Everybody in America, at the very least, has an opinion on Trump. They either love him or they hate him. His reputation's pretty much set in stone, I think. John Donald J. Trump's reputation. How long will you make groundless accusations? How long will he mix love with accusations? Is that what she's saying? How more will you continue? No more, maybe. She's saying no more, I think. How more will you continue your lies toward President Trump? You can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for himself, and the Lord will answer when we call to him. Absolutely nuts. You know why this is so crazy? Because they view him as a messiah. They believe him to be the second coming of Jesus. I'm not joking. I'm not being hyperbolic. They really do believe this. Now, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's this bit in there that talks about the messiah. They refer to the messiah as the son of man, quote unquote. Now, there isn't really much more to that descriptor, that name. It's just what they called the messiah, son of man. I'm not even sure why. But the Son of Man was supposed to be a cosmic judge that took political control of the country of Israel as like its political leader and then sparked Armageddon into being. 
it you know bring the world to an end or whatever that's what the son of man's role was supposed to be according to the old testament now every time jesus was asked are you the son of man he was a little bit dodgy about it naturally because if he came out and said yes i am the son of man it would imply um it would be blasphemy and he'd be put to death as he was so when somebody asks are you the son of man jesus would say things like what do you think do you think i'm the son of man and he would kind of you know dance around it a little bit and that led to this whole entire movement of religious leaders and political leaders like the honorable michelle bachman how do you get a title like the honorable can i be called the honorable owen morgan anyway that led to people like the honorable michelle bachman believing that donald trump is the son of man because that role is never fulfilled by jesus They expected Jesus to fulfill that role before he died. But when he died, they said, wait a minute, to be the Messiah, according to the Old Testament, he must take political control and spark Armageddon into being. So I guess he'll be back, was the question they asked themselves after he died. That's why there's this whole idea that Jesus will come back in the first place. The second coming of Jesus only has to happen because he didn't get to be the son of man on his first go around. So they see Donald Trump taking political control in the United States and they say to themselves, hey, I believe that the United States is new Israel, quote unquote. I believe that the founding fathers are descended from the Jewish people. I'm dead serious. This is real. I don't know if you guys remember this, but a while back, this book, President Donald John Trump, the son of man, the Christ, was making its rounds around Twitter. The, the, the picture of the book, anyways, making its rounds on Twitter. That's the premise laid out in this book, that the Bible separates the roles, son of God and son of man. Jesus was the son of God. Trump is the son of man. That's the position of the evangelical voting bloc right now. The ones that stand behind Trump to the death. They believe that he is the son of man, the Messiah. And that's what we're listening to Michelle Bachman describe right now. She's praying for the son of man, she believes. So Donald Trump was actually on this call too, as it turns out, as were a bunch of other people. Paula White was. You remember the strike and strike lady from a while back? This is Donald Trump's spiritual advisor while he was president. This happened the day after the election 2020. Strike and 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 strike until you have victory. So that that woman was on there too, Paula White. But Donald Trump gets on the call and he starts talking. Listen to the stuff that he had to say early April 2023. We're being discriminated against as a religion. We're being discriminated against as a faith. And we can't let that continue. I'm fighting very hard for... Uh, for the people of our country, but I'm very fighting very hard for people of religion. People. Totally, totally. He's fighting very hard for people of religion, he says. Very hard for people of religion, people that believe in God, people that believe in faith. And it's an honor to have so many of my friends. Dude, if you're going to cough, then back up off the microphone, please. It's an honor to have so many of my friends on the call. Uh, as you know, we're going through a fake uh investigation that's what it is by radical left people that i believe actually have to hate our country but we're winning we had a great day today actually because it turned out to be the sham and it's turning out to be that 
Of course, he's talking about being arrested for falsifying business records and stuff. And we have others down the line, but we're, we've been winning them for eight years now. Ever since. We've been winning them for eight years, okay. Since we came down the golden escalator, as they call it, at Trump Tower. But one thing that I've always remained solid on. Dude, you know what drives me absolutely heckin' batty? When somebody makes little noises into their microphone, you know? I was talking about this with this dude, Bill Johnson, recently. He kept like, and he would rub his hands together like this. It was like, knock it off, man. I don't need to hear all these weird noises, please. If you're going to cough or, or rub your hands together or sniff or something, please back up off the mic. But one thing that I've always remained solid on, that is our faith, our religion, our Christianity, our beautiful Christianity. Our beautiful Christianity. And uh, the other thing I've remained loyal, and they've remained loyal to me, are the people on this line. Incredible people, the most respected people I know. There can be no greater calling than what you do and what you've done. And one of the things I think, and I really believe this, and perhaps the main thing that our country needs again is religion. We have to have religion. Mm, yeah, religion. We need more of that, not less of it. Absolutely. Or we need more absolutely unhinged from reality religion, not more moderate or down-to-earth or in-touch-with-reality religion, 100%. We're losing our religion in our country, and that's what's happening to our country, because I don't think it's ever been so bad. Three years ago, we had something very special, and now we have something that's falling apart. Three years ago, we had something special, and now it's falling apart. Wow. Absolutely unhinged from reality, dude. Of course, he was using this prayer call thing as a pretext to build a voter base you know bring in donations and garner sympathy and all that other garbage as usual that's donald trump's way but i want to talk a little bit more about michelle bachman because she's been doing some other weird stuff so let me show you this clip to give you an idea of some of the things that she's said done and believes over the years mid-november 2020 this is right after trump lost the 2020 election She's disheveled, she's a mess, comes out here, films this video, and says this. I ask, oh God, that you would take your- There's oh God again, okay? Iron rod. And I ask that you would smash the clay jar of deceit in America. Smash the clay jar of delusion in the United States of America. I would love that. That'd be fantastic. I think we can pray for the same things. Smash the delusion, Father, of Joe Biden as our president. He is not. And now we're starting to deviate. Yeah. Would you take your iron rod and smash the strong delusion that Nancy Pelosi does have her House of Representatives? We don't know that. Smash it. We did. We did know it at the time. And she did have the House of Representatives. She was the Speaker of the House at the time from 2020 to 2022. She absolutely was. And Joe Biden was president at the time, too. This woman is unhinged from reality. She's losing her mind right now. In Jesus' name, smash, Lord, the takeover of the U.S. Senate by Chuck Schumer. Lord, smash it with your iron rod. Just for sheer interest, there's something else I wanted to mention. She was talking about an iron rod there, right? There is a uh, religious and political cult out there called, oh God, I don't remember the name of it, but it's been nicknamed fondly, of course, 
the Church of the AK-47, I think, or the Church of the AR-15 or something. And they believe that the Bible is referring to guns when it talks about iron rods, quote unquote. And they have an obligation to own an AR-15 and train with one every day and everything else. It's They wear a crown of bullets around their head. Dead serious. Dead serious. Vice did a whole documentary on these people. It's crazy, dude. And they're from the same political wing as Michelle Bachman. They share a lot of values in common. Really. Unhinged stuff, man. Check this one out. Early January 2023. Listen to what else Michelle Bachman had to say recently. She kind of goes with the flow. She talks about anything that the Republican Party is generally attacking and comes up with her own weird little interpretation of it. This is her on wokeism, quote unquote. And if you're watching this five years in the future and the woke thing has kind of come and gone, I'll explain it to you. Wokeism is being to the left of hunting the homeless for sport. It's basically just not hating people for the color of their skin or whatever. That's basically what it is. The theocracy is actually one of a religion that we don't really recognize. It's a religion that's almost a cult, really. And it's a religion of this wokeness. This Okay, well, interesting. I, I do want to point out that cults and religions are not mutually exclusive. It can be both, or it can be neither, or it can be one or the other simultaneously. It doesn't matter. Scientology is a non-religious cult. They have supernatural beliefs, but it really isn't a religion in the, the traditional sense. It's a psychology cult. QAnon isn't really a religion either. Both of these things have religious like aspects to them, but neither are really religious cults. QAnon's a political cult. It can be a cult, but not a religion. It can be a religion, but not a cult, or it can be both. But she doesn't seem to see the nuance here. She just wants to call anything to the left of hunting the homeless for sport a religion. Because if you adhere to these ideas that everybody should be treated equally, that we should work on making this a more fair society, if you believe any of this stuff, then you're committing heresy. She can justify telling her audience it's wrong to believe that gay people should be allowed to live freely in society by claiming that if you believe that, then you are part of a different religion that doesn't worship God. And it's a religion of this wokeness, this progressive yes. wokeness that actually demands the allegiance of a religious faith. You cannot deviate from the belief in this religious cult wokeness. And if you don't go along with it, you can be banned. You can be shadow right. banned. You can be canceled. Wow. That's fascinating that she's talking about how evil cancellation is. Cancel culture. It's so terrible, isn't it? Kind of funny she mentions this because there is uh, apparently a new app coming out. Conservatives plot text warnings on woke products. So you can sign up for this service run by right wing nutter butters like Michelle Bachman, for example. And if you sign up for the service, they will text you a list of all of the brands that you're not supposed to purchase because they're too woke. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like cancel culture. Just tossing it out there. Knock it around the noggin for a minute. A conservative group is offering a new service that texts woke alerts straight to the phones of grocery shoppers who want to know which brands are accused of taking political positions that are offensive to the right. 
Why it matters. The plan marks an escalation by deep-pocketed conservatives to hit corporations where it hurts their bottom line. The strategy by Consumers Research, which isn't affiliated with Consumer Reports, also represents an attempt to coordinate potential boycotts, seizing on the outrage some consumers may feel about a brand. This is cancel culture. That's what that is. These people scream about cancel culture 24-7 when they are the worst perpetrators. It doesn't get worse than these people about cancel culture. Seriously, how did they gain the, the footing to claim that everybody else is doing cancel culture? The left is not doing cancel culture, but woke alerts sure as hell sounds like cancel culture to me. You're not going to get a loan at a bank. You're going to be canceled. PayPal is maybe going to charge you if they don't like what's on your social media. Literally, banks are dropping organizations and people if they don't like what. What's she talking about? This is completely out of thin air. This is nonsense. Now, there is one person I know of who had their bank basically drop them or a couple. Uh, One of them is Nick Fuentes, I think. And the other is Mike Lindell. That's pretty much it. And you know why? Because they didn't want to deal with the inevitable subpoenas and legal problems that would come along with having them as clients. They don't want to deal with the legal ramifications of working with these people. That's totally understandable. I think Lauren Witzke uh, had her bank drop her too. They just wrote her a check for everything that was in her account and mailed it to her and said goodbye, basically. That's only in specific circumstances where you're putting this bank in legal jeopardy while Michelle Bachman's wing of this political party is actually sending out woke alerts. Really. Does it get more hypocritical than this? This is bad, right? If they don't like what their uh, opinion is that's the theocracy that's rising today Come on. it isn't christian okay i thought theocracy was a belief in a deity right isn't that what a theocracy is definition of theocracy a system of government in which priests ru- rule in the name of god or gods apparently that's what a theocracy is okay this doesn't sound like a theocracy to me You know what she's really doing, though? She's really just trying to flip this around. She knows that these accusations are being leveled at the right at the moment. They're trying to create a theocracy, and they absolutely are. And they're damn near it right now, in my opinion. When religious groups are writing bills and handing them to congressmen who are then presenting them to take a vote, that is really, really close to theocracy, in my opinion. But no, it's the left that's the problem, right? It's the left that's trying to create a theocracy. Sure. Okay. Check this one out. Early April 2023, she decides to go on a tirade about communism, of all things. FYI, communism is not coming to the United States. Not even close. There's this thing that she, some article she discovered that's talking about 15-minute cities where everything is going to be within 15 minutes of each other. You can walk or take a train or whatever to anywhere in the entire city and it'll take a maximum of 15 minutes. Fantastic idea, honestly, in my opinion. That that would be great. Um, New York City, I think, well, Manhattan is what, 16 by, how big is Manhattan? I forget now. 
Okay, so Manhattan is two and a half miles wide and 13 miles long, right? And there is a fantastic, robust subway system through Manhattan, but it still takes me up to 45 minutes to move from one tip of Manhattan to the other. So it would have to be a pretty complex system to build out a city that you could reach anywhere within 15 minutes. That would be really, really helpful and useful, I think. But let's listen to what uh, Michelle Bachman has to say about 15-minute cities. So it's really a leash, an electronic leash. You see where this QR code comes in on our phones? Um, this contains people to an area that is no more than 15 minutes from home. And what they're promising is that these are smart cities, so-called smart cities, where individuals will be tracked and traced. And Dude, where did this tracked and traced thing come in? I didn't hear anything about being tracked and traced. They just said they want to make a city where everything is within 15 minutes of each other. And wh what about QR codes? She's just making stuff up right off the top of her head. And she's somehow trying to link this back to, like, evil. Okay? Seriously, she will take any subject and turn it into, say, something to do with Satanism or communism. It's like a Rorschach test. It's like free word association. Throw out a word. Chair. And she finds some way to relate chairs back to, like, Satanism. And surveilled. And we can move about freely within 15 minutes from home. Now realize in the former Soviet Union, their people were allowed to go 50 miles from home. Any further, they had to get permission of the government. The 15 minute cities are not confining people to those areas. You're allowed to leave. And is that even true about the Soviet Union? Maybe, but something I've come to find about this woman, you can't trust a word out of her mouth, not one. Look everything up even if it's like a trivial detail that seems mundane and meaningless look it up before trusting a word out of her mouth could people move freely in the ussr according to country reports for human rights practices for 1989 freedom of movement in the soviet union is not guaranteed by law however citizens are generally permitted to move about freely except within certain areas such as the frontier and strategic regions so it sounds like it may not have been guaranteed by law, but they were free to move between the different countries or whatever. I'm not even sure what she's talking about here. Within 50 miles. Is this just made up? Did she just make this up? This is what I'm talking about. She just comes up with stuff right off the top of her head. Blatant, flat out lies. This is why you have to check every word out of her mouth. Every word government so this is the move of totalitarianism to create a city where everything is within 15 minutes of each other yeah totally totalitarianism right right totalitarianism where there's a limitation on freedom of movement in the united states government under our constitution every american has the right to travel so this is clearly an unconstitutional move in america Oh, wow, dude. So she took this an extra step. It's not just they're going to make things accessible for people. It's that you're going to be banned from moving to a different area. Like, give me a break. This is crazy. Just for laughs, I figure we'll pull up the uh, Newsweek article or the Newsweek like feature with her picture right on the front. This picture, oh boy, she was not happy about this because it shows the crazy in her eyes, right? It shows the complete unhingedness that's knocking around behind those eyes. Like, is there anything back there 
that's connected to reality. Anything at all. I think she sued Newsweek for putting out this picture. I can't imagine she won if she did, but... Oh, man, this woman is something else. You can see it in her eyes, really. And she has the same kind of look in her eyes today, too. The same look. When they're open, I suppose. Delusion in the United States of America. Smash the delusion, father, of Joe Biden as our president. Yeah, she's something else, dude. I don't know. Let me know what you think about it in the comments. I, I'm just, I'm deeply entertained by this stuff, honestly. She's not in a position of power. She is influential. She has like a following that she talks to, and that's a problem. But if you don't laugh, they'll cry, right? So let's just have a good laugh at it. It's just crazy, man. That's all I've got for you. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check me out on Patreon and take a look at my YouTube channels. Owen Morgan, where I talk about religious issues. Telltale Fireside Chat, where I talk about politics. Telltale Unfiltered, where I do long-form breakdowns of stuff like this. And Telltale Reads, where I read books by televangelists and others. I release everything in parts, but every part stands independently of the last. So you can jump in anywhere, and I'll make sure it makes sense. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of all my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything. All links are in the description. Okay, thanks for watching, guys.